On the one hand, there are folks like Dave Travis, who seem to have seen early on that Mark was keyed in on that kind of vision. I spoke to another person who met Mark in the Young Leaders Network around the time of Mars Hill's launch. And his thought after first meeting him was, that guy's going to plant a big, big church. But inside Mars Hill, it seems like that idea was far from most people's minds. It was exciting and novel and rich and by no means at that point in our minds were we signing on to become part of a megachurch. I mean, Mark had ideas about ministering to University of Washington kids, maybe starting a record label, doing a coffee house. Like he had some ideas like that, but by no means at that time did it feel like we were on some sort of shooting star, riding the coattails of a, of a rising star. The community was was authentic and it felt very real and easy to just be yourself and in kind of a different context than church, even at Antioch, where you drove a certain car and you drove, you wore certain clothes. It just was a place where you could feel uh, connected to others and, and just be real. Church plants tend to attract a cross-section of people. Jen and Phil Smith are examples of an essential constituency, committed Christians who are excited about starting something new. Another part of that cross-section we might call disaffected Christians, people who maybe had church backgrounds, but for one reason or another have drifted away. Joel Brown fits that description well. He'd grown up with parents in ministry, but as he set out on his own, a combination of apathy and depression led him away from the church. He had moved to Seattle to go to audio school when his parents emailed him about this new, edgy little church they'd heard about called Mars Hill. He ignored the idea of going until his stepbrother showed up on his doorstep one Sunday and basically dragged him there. He comes to my house un, uh, unannounced one night and he, and he says, hey, come on, we're going to go to church together. And so he takes me to Mars Hill Church. And I remember up in the front, they had all of these candles and candelabras and things up in the front lit. They were trying to pull off this somehow of a resurgence of the sacred, you know? There was some sort of connection to something bigger, something more historical, something more transcendent. They used a lot of like Celtic crosses and, you know, I don't think we ever used papyrus, but any typeface that sort of looked old uh, was probably welcomed. In context, that desire for connection to the past was one of the church's innovations. Many church planners have been avoiding religious symbols and architecture for decades. So you have this bold set of contradictions inside Mars Hill. The church setting, the decor, the crowd of indie rockers dressed in black and covered in tattoos. And then Mark preaching loud, brash sermons for an hour or more. I remember immediately being pretty captivated Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe that sounds too lovey-dovey. But I, I was, I was immediately um, engaged. Even in that one meeting, I was like, "Oh, this, this actually has relevance to my life." I, I've often said, I, I heard the gospel my whole life. My parents are really faithful Christians, but I don't think I really heard it until I came to Marseille. If you know what I mean. Joel was hooked. It felt like a spiritual home. And within weeks, he was playing drums with the band. In the years ahead, he'd come on staff and serve as a worship leader and a pastor. And then there's the kind of person that every church planter hopes and prays shows up at their church. People who come in who aren't believers at all, like James Harleman, 
We were coming up on the year 2000, Y2K was, there was a lot of heightened things going on at the time. So my conversion dovetailed with a lot of uh, sort of cultural fear and the, kind of that whole zeitgeist. James was primarily drawn in by the preaching, the two pages of notes that accompanied every sermon, the ability of Mark and others to make connections between the world of the Bible and the world he occupied, which was largely the world of movies. And after attending a few weeks, he had a life-changing moment. It really hit me at one moment after, I don't remember, it was coming home, and I just started crying because it was the first time I'd really encountered someone teaching a God that was overwhelming, a God that was irresistible. I I think I'd predominantly heard more of 